when you do things from your soul, you feel a river moving in you, a joy. Rumi. Bending Not Breaking, the Dragon Prince Edition. Book Two, Episode Four, Voyage of the Ruthless. Back to Bending Not Breaking, this is Ben Pruitt, your host for the Dragon Prince Edition, and I am so pleased that you get to spend another episode with us, and I'm, I'm just grateful that I'm in your earbuds, and just I'm just grateful. It's nice to be able to do this and talk about the Dragon Prince and talk about all kinds of really neat things and to learn from cartoons, and I just, I'm grateful that you're on this journey with me, so thanks for listening. We are a listener-supported podcast, so if you have a minute, if you haven't already, it would be really helpful if you could go give us a review, uh, especially if you're an iTunes uh, listener and subscriber for podcasts. Uh, Five-star review and a little little description would be super awesome, and we really appreciate when people give us that kind of um, investment, so thank you. Another way you can support us is on Patreon. We have a a Patreon where we have lots of cool little perks. Uh, We do early episodes. We do bonus content. We have live episodes for patrons once a month. Lots of neat little things. Uh, But no worries if that's not possible for you right now. It's not um, in everybody's cards to be able to contribute financially, so we understand. But if you do have the capacity, we do truly appreciate it. And we appreciate all of our patrons who are supporting us now. You all are the bee's knees. So thank you so much. We're, We're truly grateful. Today we are talking about joy. And joy is just a really neat little concept because (laughs) it's so difficult to experience and lean into, or rather it's really easy to to experience, but it's really difficult to stay in the experience, I think. That's what makes it hard, but it's fine. It's fine. It really is. So a lot of my understanding around vulnerability has been shaped by Brene Brown, and I want to share an exercise that she did with the class. So imagine that we are uh, in a movie scene and we are directing this movie and you are uh, my, my playwrights and my actors and I'm going to walk you into it and I want you to tell me what's going to happen next when I stop. So the way it works is imagine this. It is Christmas Eve and you are in a family of four. You have a mom, a dad, two kids and you all are getting ready to go to grandma's house. And what happens is you are just all excited. The kids are excited. We're about to go have a wonderful dinner. It's lightly snowing outside. And so you pack everybody up, get in the car, and you look at your partner across the seat and they're driving and you look behind you and the kids are smiling and making jokes and then you turn on the radio and everybody starts singing Christmas carols but here's the deal the kid in the back is just like going all out and so everybody kind of like 
looks at each other, and then you all join in. And what happens is you merge onto the highway, and then... Yeah, so odds are, based off of many reactions of what happens at this point, is most people imagine uh, everything from car crash to Big Mac truck. (laughs) And I, I have to wonder and I have to question why many of our reactions to a scene where everything is going right is that, well, something's about to go wrong. And I do this in movies all the time. I was watching Raya and the Last Dragon last night. And spoiler alert for those of you who haven't watched it, it'll take about, you know, 15 seconds. So if you want to skip ahead, that's fine. But essentially what happens in the very, very beginning is Raya is young and she meets a new potential friend and she gets betrayed. And everything was going right before that point. Everything was awesome. And she was being welcoming. They exchanged gifts. And I was like, this, in my head, I was like, this is going too well. We... This is, there's no way that this is going to be happy-go-lucky, this whole movie. And lo and behold, immediately this, this betrayal occurs. So I wanted to experience, why? Why was like that too good? It was too good. What is there a, such a thing as too good? And I just, I, I find that, actually, I don't find anything. I have experienced through reading and then reflecting on Brene Brown's work that when we lose our tolerance for vulnerability, joy becomes foreboding. And what does that mean? It means that when we become so averse and unwilling to experience vulnerability that the experience of joy means we believe something bad is coming. That's what it means when something is foreboding. And and Joy becoming foreboding is so dangerous because it's the experience of, you know, if you're a parent, potentially, it's standing over your child and being so grateful and loving and happy that you love them so much to the point of bursting. And then all of a sudden you imagine some tragic accident happening in in your mind. And it's or if you're on a date with a partner and it's going so incredibly well, and then all of a sudden you're like, but like, what if somebody jumps out of the bushes and like mows us down with a gun and we are conditioned to not let ourselves experience these moments of joy and it's really sad it makes me sad because I want to lean in and I don't want to imagine that that terrible thing happening but it's just so ingrained and it's just it's a a, it's like almost like flinching if you will from from the joy and I, I think as I lean in and learn more, one of the things that comes to mind is this idea that uh, Brene Brown shares regarding how twinkle lights are a really beautiful metaphor for joy, right? It's not a constant, like joy comes to us in moments, often the, the ordinary moments in our days, not something, not the extraordinary moments. Like we miss out on these bursts of joy because we're too busy chasing the extraordinary. And other times we're so afraid of the dark that we don't let ourselves enjoy the light, right? So 
A joyful life is not this floodlight of joy. That would eventually become unbearable. Instead, the joyful life is made up of these joyful moments that are gracefully strung together by by trust, gratitude, inspiration, faith, and those are the moments of joy. And that's all from Brene Brown. If you are interested in reading more, I think most of that is from Daring Greatly. Uh, and so I, I recommend checking that out if you're interested in a little, a little bit more reading there. So that's some joy for you. And that's kind of what we're talking about and where I'm leaning in. And I, and I want to lean into this concept of, of joy and learn more about it from the Dragon Prince today. So here we go. Episode four is going to give us a, a lesson. Uh, but first, before we do that, we have to recap the episode. So, and I always say we, but you know, like maybe it is a joint exercise. We're doing it together. Like I'm, this is a solidarity act where you get to listen to me and I get to talk to you and it's going to be great. So on my mark, here I go. So Callum is meditating and then they fall out of the sky and then Amaya defends the breach from Sunfire Elves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Viren plays with the mirror and the soundtrack of your piano music. And then Rayla goes human Rayla and then makes Ezrin laugh and they find Catherine Velas and there's pirate jokes and Velas warns of a storm and Callum's like, ooh, the lightning. And then it's great. And then Viren finds, like, finally gets sus of the mirror dude and then storm hits and Rayla's sick and then Callum chases lightning and Viren gets mad at the crow guy for not being able to tell him about things and then happy about destroying Zadian threat. And then Amaya's a super cool fighter with great instincts and Sunfire goes Hulk mode. And then I ran out of time. Okay, well, I almost got it all. Zim gets struck by lightning, we forgot that. And then, you know, Viren covers the mirror, that's a big deal. But you can't win them all. You can't cover everything in 30 seconds. But you know what? I did great. I'm awesome at this. I have so much practice, and I'm getting better at it. So that's my uh, my leaning into uh, giving myself some compliments. And that's just how that's going to work today. Okay, Joy. Here we are. So joy is super neat because it happens throughout this whole episode. And I guess, again, I can't talk about all of the moments, but I can talk about five. So I picked my top five. And the first one is kind of thinking on this small moments of joy train. And it's from the very beginning. So joy is in the small moments when Ezrin is like complimenting Fifi, caring for Fifi and appreciating Fifi for the flight. And there's just, I feel like there's joy when people can listen to us and hear us and understand us and communicate. And it seems like Ezrin is leaning into the joy here. It seems like Fifi is leaning into the joy of, I did my best, I had to have a job well done, and now I get to go home. It just seems like there's a lot of intimacy that leads to uh, an experience of joy here that I find really compelling. Um, you know, there's a professor at UNC Chapel Hill named Barbara Fredrickson who wrote a book called Positivity, in which she essentially is outlining in a portion of the book outlining what all of the different positive emotions are. And when I say all, that is vastly uh, hyperbolic. Uh, she picks several of them and kind of gives you an outline of it. And when she talks about joy, she, she says this, visualize this. Your surroundings are safe and familiar. Things are going your way, even better than you expected. 
At the moment, the situation requires little effort on your part. Joy feels bright and light. Colors seem more vivid. There's a spring in your step. You face lights up. Your face lights up with a smile and an inner glow, and you feel like taking it all in. You feel playful. You want to jump in. You want to get involved. And that is interesting to me because I, I wonder I wonder about that because does that mean that what I perceived as joy in this moment with Fifi and Ezrin was not necessarily joy? Uh, is there another label for it um, that fits better? Or is our understanding of joy... Um, more vast than that. And I, and I honestly don't know, because I, I would love to have better access to understanding the language. So if you perceive this to be a moment of joy, uh, help me wrap my head around why I perceive it that way. And if not, help me understand why you perceive it otherwise. You can send us a voicemail to thearchive at gmail.com, and we, I'd love to hear your thoughts. But for now, we'll move on to our second topic or a second option and and i do think this certainly fits barbara frederickson's description of joy a little more succinctly and that's when (laughs) rayla is dressing up as a human and i feel like there's a lot of joy coming from ezrin again because he's he loves sharing this moment with not only rayla but sharing it with zim and sharing it with bait and saying you're gonna love this and begging for more and it's just a lot of joy in Rayla's willingness to be goofy in this moment and I find that to be uh, really endearing and you know it's interesting because the reactions to this moment are very different. Ezrin leans into it, he's laughing, he's wanting more, but Callum doesn't and I'm curious about why they react differently and it's my initial reaction was asking this question is Callum's experience of being enough tied to Rayla's understanding of what it means to be human and if that is the case is Ezrin's simply not attached to that is Ezrin's enoughness not attached or not at stake and You know, I'm curious about this because it seems like Ez has no, like, yeah, he's like, he leans in and says, yeah, we totally do that. I have, like, he seems very comfortable in in the fact that he is both human and that people who are human are flawed. And whereas Callum is saying he gets a little defensive. And so when we get defensive, I worry about how... Why are we defensive? Why is this bothering us? And it honestly reminds me of when people talk about, uh, in terms of race, like people get defensive of, of being white, right? Or I, I used to say like, oh man, white people suck. And when I heard that as a, a youngster, I used to be like, I'm not a bad person. And, and like, I used to get defensive of that and I used to feel my feelings. But now when I hear it, I have a different understanding of, of that, and part of me is like, "You're right. We do suck. White people are the worst." <laughs> and so, uh, it's it's this change in perspective that learning has given me, and I no longer take that personally. 
And I, and I wonder how Ezrin at such a young age is able to do this, whereas it was the opposite for me, not to say that, you know, all people are the same, but I just find it really interesting that Ezrin is able to, to take this and experience joy with it, and Callum is is not. And so I'm, I'm curious about the difference. If you have some insight, I'd love to hear it. Please reach out, share. I'd love to experience some your thoughts. Number three. So we find Velas, and there's joy on this ship and in the waves and you know he talks about how he finds and experiences joy in sailing and he we see him get sad when his wife Ruth is not a fond of sailing because it seems like this is a big part of his life and you know he doesn't specifically say that he experiences joy but oh my goodness this captain must feel such joy at being able to navigate this ship at sea in a storm like he does. It's just exceptional uh, work, especially considering that he is blind. Uh, And it just is really interesting to see how his differently abled body is able to still give him the amazing capacity to lean into what he loves. And I find that that's incredible because I think other people with different perspectives on what a potentially unable body should look like would say that no way would a would this person be able to to do that. And then it seems that you know Callum and the dragging leans into this incapacity to see as a bonus, as a plus, and. I don't know. It's it's interesting to to experience that and to to watch the joy play out in this moment. So I just find it really beautiful. In the same vein, I think about how Callum and Velas are talking about this connection to the wind, aka the sky arcanum, and knowing something so well that you feel connected to it. And, you know, it really reminded me of one of my favorite books, my favorite series called The The Kingkiller Chronicles, and the name of the wind is the first book. And there's a system of magic where it is tied to knowing the names of things, the true names of things, if you will. And knowing a true name gives you power over whatever you know the name of. And the main character is searching for the name of the wind. And it really just reminded me there was a connection between Callum and the main character of that book of you need to get out and experience the world in order to learn more about the wind. And that's what Callum is doing. And he's, he's experiencing and going in, into the storm. And I just find that really interesting because this connects to my fourth point. It seems like it's all about a matter of perspective. And I'm excited because next episode we're diving into perspective, FYI. And that'll be our lens next episode with <clears throat> a really special guest, FYI too. But speaking of perspective, there's this joy in the storm. And like, I personally find a lot of joy in learning. And I can see that Callum is like struggling to understand the Sky Arcanum and wants it so badly. So his perspective on this storm, whereas, you know, Rayla is, you know, <laughs> seasick and super not interested in the storm, Callum is the opposite. He sees it as an opportunity. It's a good opportunity to study magic, 
but it's scary for everybody else or miserable. I know that when I'm not interested in the rain, I, I'm like, I'm annoyed with it because I can't go play disc golf. And so it just seems like it's a, a perspective and that if we alter that perspective or think about it and consider another, we might be able to experience joy in these moments that others cannot experience joy in. Okay, my fifth point, my final point for this episode on joy is about Viren. And Viren gets this, I, I, I might get experience some pushback from y'all on this, but I would call Viren's response to hearing about the Pentarchy being willing to meet uh, a, a moment of joy for him. Because I feel like it gives him an out. Because we we see him at the end of the episode cover the mirror up. We see that he struggles and he's feeling sus about this, you know, very pretty elf dude uh, in the mirror. And I feel like there's this joy of like, oh, things are finally going my way. And things are going to work out, and we're going to be able to destroy the threat, and it's all going to be okay. And I feel like that was a moment of joy for Viren. And so, I, I wonder, I wonder if we're more resilient to temptation when we are joyful, right? So when Viren is experiencing this, like he's he's tempted, he he goes and does all these things. He drinks the goblet. He's about to cut himself to create this blood ritual of some sort and I wonder if he's more resilient to the temptation because of that moment of joy or if it's because he no longer feels cornered and so I'm I'm curious if it's joy or if it's something else but again if it is joy and it is giving him this resistance and resilience to temptation I wonder I wonder about that. I, I think that's really interesting to consider. So, because that would mean I would want to cultivate as much joy as possible to avoid the things that I feel tempted towards that I don't want to lean into. So, those are my top five. And as I reflect on what I've what I've said so far, I'm already like interested in how I would say everything differently if I were to re-record. But I, I don't want to. I want to do that. I want that to be my take. And if you have conversation, if you have ideas, and if you disagree with me, please share because this kind of conversation is better equipped to be helpful in community. And we are better equipped to arrive at something that is more true in community. So again, everything that I say should be tinged with a a caveat saying that <laughs> none of what I say is intended to be verbatim or certain or um, anything along those lines. So here we are, here we are learning together and I hope that we can uh, continue learning together and I hope you'll send me your thoughts in a voice memo <clears throat> to the archive at gmail.com. <clears throat> nope, no pressure. Anyway, here we are. So We're going to be right back, and thank you for sticking around.
I'm so excited to dive in our final two segments, which are the Lens MVP and our gratitude session. So for the Lens MVP this week, for the, the most joyful, for reasons I've already said, I really want to just give Ezrin this nomination uh, once again because of his capacity to lean into joy and these moments of laughter, these moments of care, kindness, of losing inhibition, it's just, it's really beautiful. And I feel like whenever I see other people experiencing joy, I like them better. (laughs) And I just become, it's so endearing and I, I find it really beautiful. So I just... I just feel like I love Ezrin a little bit more after after seeing him laugh and love. Um, I just that I find it um, really really cool. So this is my nomination. I'd love to hear yours. Remember, you can nominate someone by sending us a tweet. You can send us a voicemail. You can remember, by the way, you can follow us on all of our Instagrams and Twitters and TikToks at BNB underscore Pod. And we also have a Facebook group that you'd be welcome to join us uh, and talk about the episodes with some of our patrons and some of our, our, our listeners who are super, super cool. Okay, this brings us to the final segment, final segment for this episode, which is gratitude. Gratitude is awesome. And something that I have not really mentioned yet that I find really interesting because I am just now realizing that I haven't talked about it is this idea that Brene Brown talks about how gratitude and joy are inextricably connected and in order to experience joy we must cultivate a a gratitude practice and I I think that I just want to reflect for a second on this the past couple of years as we have built this gratitude practice in to the episodes, as we have started practicing gratitude regularly, and I've started doing it in my own time, I have a reminder in my phone that says gratitude every day at 8 a.m. And so I go in and check it off whenever I, I feel something that I'm grateful for that day. And what has happened is I, I feel like I have become better able to experience joy and other really neat emotions and so I just I do think that my experience has led me to believe that this is true as well as the research that Brene Brown has done and so this is one of the reasons why we cultivate gratitude is so that we can cultivate joy as well okay so for my 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 person that I am grateful for I I'm really grateful for for Callum in this episode. And the reason I'm grateful for Callum is because I so feel Callum's struggle. And I feel... I have felt this so many times in my life where I I want something badly and I'm willing to learn, but I, I just... I don't know how. And then I find a obstacles everywhere or I find that I don't have the courage to do something and I know what that's like and it feels defeating and I just I'm really grateful that he shared this journey with us uh (laughs) if you will um because it it made me have a little bit more grace for myself 
And so I'm grateful for that. Okay. Uh, once again, remember you can you can spend more time with us by engaging with us on social medias, all the social medias, uh, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and we hope to see you there at BNB underscore pod. Remember we have a Patreon at the same handle, BNB underscore pod, and you can support us there if you feel compelled. And if not, feel free to give us a, a five-star review. <clears throat> that would be super neat. Uh, a, a wonderful review it helps and goes a long way. So no matter what, uh, thank you for listening because that is the most important thing. Thank you to the Ark of E for hosting this podcast, for Alex Mayfield, for Noah Blanchard, Max Gondelware, and most of all, thank you to our patrons and to our listeners. And until next time, be well and do good.